had to let it play just a little longer, Randy. Here we are coming in. The Invest Whale Show. I had to get a little bit of amp up or amped up, if you will. A little scratching in the end and uh, talking about investing well. That's what we're going to talk about today. You know, hey, listen, uh, Randy, we're starting to move into some turbulent markets. Now, the reality of it is, you know, as we're recording this show, all truth told, this is uh, Monday, the 13th. What is the date? 13th. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, that's why you're here, Randy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm recording this right now, depending on where you're listening to this in the world, it's actually 1018 a.m. in America, Eastern Time. And the Dow is down right now 528 points. Now it's 526 points. It's going to continue to move. But the point is, is we have been talking about this. I've been talking about this really since October. You know, one of the things that I talked about is Dead Cat Bounce. I did a video on that in the past. I just previously did a video, Randy, talking about, is this the beginning of the next stock market crash? I did that last week where I did some charting and things like that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, what we know is the market is not going to go up forever. Call it tariffs, call it China, call it the Fed, call it Trump, call it whatever you want to call it. The reality of it is we are in the longest bull run in the history of the country. And if you look at markets... Over the course of history, they don't just go up, 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 up forever. And so we've been in a place where we've been preparing for this. And many of our clients, anyways, we're, we're putting them in a place where we are taking precautions and they've kind of been off market with a lot of their investments, et cetera. So here's what we're going to do this show for you, the listener. What we're going to do is we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about what's going on right now. What are some things that we see coming and what are some ways that you can de-risk or at least help de-risk, let's say, your portfolio, your investments? Part of it is, is being proactive and not reactive. And that's very important. You got to be proactive and not reactive. You know, Randy, we talk a lot about golf. I know I'm always ragging on you, but I will not this time, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually was out playing golf uh, last Friday with Pudge Rodriguez, mm-hmm. Yvonne. Rodriguez, and right. uh, he's actually coming on board to kind of continue to help build out our pro athlete division, which is pretty cool. So we're going to start shooting some commercials together soon. All that to be said, we were playing at a course, La Gorge, down in Miami, and I was playing with him, and I played with two uh, Latin America PGA Tour pros, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's it's a lot of fun. Always interesting to be with somebody who really can play the game. Pick the game, you know, and I got to tell you, I hit the ball pretty well. I really mm-hmm. did. I mean, I've, I've been I've been improving my my thing now. So I talked about proactive, not reactive. So one of the things I've found is I was having a little bit of trouble previously with my putter. So I went out that morning and I bought a new putter because I was being proactive. Uh huh. You see, I want to be proactive. Now I got to tell you, there were three putts that day that I sunk that were over fifteen feet. That's very good. See. So it's all about being proactive. I had to go back old school with the ping putter, Uh and there we are. So we're not going to talk about golf all day, but I wanted to let you know that's the benefit of being proactive. So there you you go. You saw a problem in your game. You went out to try to find a fix, and you apparently found it. I think so. You know, it's a beautiful thing. As they say, uh, drive for dough, putt for show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. That's the reverse. It's the other way around. Drive for show, putt for dough. There it is. There it is. There okay. you can you can uh, nobody's uh, nobody's excited why you uh, put your ball four feet. No, no, they're not. <laughs> but it's very very important. All right, so let's jump into markets. I know you got a little bit of a clip you want to share 
uh, and some other things. So let's jump into it. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Warren Buffett, of course, has his annual meeting in Omaha with Berkshire Hathaway. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are there interviewing him, asking him questions about his thoughts on markets and the economy. And this was a very interesting clip to me. He said that he doesn't think that things can continue with the things that you just mentioned, with the Fed, with the economy, with the interest rates, with uh, the trade talks, all of these things that are, are happening right now. He doesn't believe it can continue in the status quo. I don't think our present conditions can exist in terms of fiscal and, and monetary policy and various other elements of the political landscape. I don't think they can coexist with really low inflation rates over time. I think it'll change. I don't know when, I don't know to what degree, I don't know what part of it will change, but I don't think this can be done without leading to other things. We will look back this period and be surprised that we didn't see what was coming next. <laughs> mm, very interesting. And that is a little foreboding there with a guy with, uh, like Warren Buffett saying, we're going to look back on this time and say, hey, why didn't we see the signs? So yeah. that's kind of interesting. Well, it is interesting. But, you know, Randy, one of the things, you know, I remember the old song, signs, signs, everywhere mm, there's signs, sure. breaking up the scenery, breaking in my mind, or, yeah. you know, do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs? There, now you know I remember the... <laughs> <laughs> the five-man electrical band. Yes, I remember. <laughs> exactly. But the reality of it is we have been looking and seeing the signs, but Wall Street, as a general rule of thumb, has not been exposing the signs over time. The question is Why? Right. The question is why? The reality of it is, here's what I got to tell you. It's easier for Wall Street type investments and firms in general to just kind of set it and forget it, go with the flow. You know, one of the things you got to realize as, as an investor is the more interaction that you have with your firm, the more staff they need to man to handle your customer service needs. Now, let me break that down for you. That's why a lot of funds and a lot of firms are in a place where they like to primarily work and invest with institutional money and not necessarily work with retail clients because that way they're not taking phone calls from the client saying, oh my goodness, the market went down. What should we do? Oh my goodness, the market went up. What should I do? Oh my goodness, I, you know, whatever. They don't have those phone calls. That's why they want to work with institutional money. And so when you look at Wall Street, one of the things they say is, hey, we're here for you. We're going to help you with FaceTime. We're going to do all this stuff. But really what they want to do is continue to push out narrative, Randy, for the most part. This is what we've seen historically. And that, that narrative is, listen, hang in there. It's going to come back. Don't worry about it. We're in this for the long haul. Investing is a long-term deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of, the, all of that narrative is narrative that basically says, listen, don't worry about it. Don't ask me questions every three seconds and just stay on the ride, right? I mean, that's basically what it is because the idea is, is the more questions that are had, the more changing and shifting in the portfolio that has to happen, the more uh, allocation changes or, or thought changes or research done, it's just more effort and more work in general. And so a lot of people don't want to go through that process. And so that's why, you know, we have done a lot of, I'll call them whistleblower type videos uh, over the years. And we talk about this with clients saying, listen, it's not about just making money in the market. It's, it's more importantly, especially if you're listening to this show right now and you are retired or you're soon going to be retired, you need to pay attention to this because you're in a situation where you're working years, your years of growing money and earning money are either diminished or gone, which means that you must be in a situation 
where you look for avenues to de-risk your portfolio. Very, very important. Because we've been blowing the whistle for some time now, Randy, talking about the whole idea that these markets are not going to go up forever. And when Warren talked about inflation coming and things like that, he's, he's correct. I mean, think about it. Anytime you print more money, right, anytime there's more of something out there, the value of it goes down. It's, it's the old law of supply and demand. People know that, right? I mean, the more you, the more you have of, you know, whatever product that is that exists out there in the marketplace, I'll give you an example. So, you know, one of the things a lot of people talk about exotic cars, like Ferraris or Lamborghinis or, you know, Bugattis or whatever it is. And one of the way, one of the reasons that those cars are so expensive is because they have, obviously they have, you know, more, higher end product and design and detail in them, but also they're in a place where there's a limited quantity. And that's why everybody's frustrated at you, Randy. You keep buying all the new Ferraris when they come out. And then, so uh, it's like, jeez. My wife's killing me. It's a habit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, the next thing you got to do is build more garages and that's okay. <laughs> but the point is, is there's limited supply of these, of these vehicles as an example. And so because there's limited supply, what happens? Because there's limited supply, the price goes up. Correct. The value of it goes up, the price goes up, whatever. But if you, if you contrast that to, you know, let's say, you know, the Ford Explorer, and, and I'm not saying there's anything negative about Ford, but how many Ford Explorers are out there versus, you know, Ferraris or millions of them? Yeah, right. Does that make sense? So sure. obviously you're in a situation where you're not going to be like, well, you know, I got the most unique Ford Explorer in the world here. So because of that, I'm going to charge you 20% more than the sticker price. Right. Ain't going to happen. Right. Because you can just get out of the street and get another Ford Explorer for, you know, a lower price. So at the end of the day, it's supply and demand. And what we've seen in the economy and the markets is from 2009 to almost 2014, we had QE, quantitative easing. A lot of people are forgetting that. And I talk about this a lot. It's repetition. But that money that's been printed and put back into the system, there's more money, there's more dollars out there today than there ever has been. And so because of that, what it does is it actually can reduce the valuation of the dollar. There's other factors as well. So obviously, that coupled with the idea that we have interest rates at all-time lows, Inflation is bound to occur. So when inflation takes place, Michael, things become more expensive. We're mm -hmm. obviously going to see the price of things go up. But usually along right. with that comes higher interest rates. And that can actually be the friend of a retirement saver. We're going to get a little bit more. So when you talk about de-risking your money, why don't you break that yeah. down just a little bit? Tell me what does that mean? Because when somebody says, I want to pull the risk off the table, to me, that means put it in the bank. That means put it in CDs. That means put it in cash. And that's not always the case, is it? No, it isn't always the case. And and by the way, you know, when you talked about interest rates being higher, you know, one of the things that you got to realize is back at a lot, some people may remember back in the 80s where interest rates were like 15, 16, 18%, right? right? Mm -hmm. uh, in CDs at that time. But the inflation was really high at that time too. Right. So you, what you have to do is it's not just about taking money and putting it in a place where it's just safe, even though that's important. And there's different levels of risk that exists out there and different types of risk. But it's not just about taking money and putting it in safe. It's also about the idea of, you know, taking money and putting it in a place that you can actually make some nice money as well. Because, you know, I call, I use the old strategy or the thought in relation to CDs today as the idea of losing money safely. Yeah. 
<laughs> people are like, what? Yeah, you're losing money safely. And the reason is because, you know, you're, you're not keeping up with inflation. You might be in a place where you're, your investment's safe, but you're not keeping up with inflation. So how should you or how do you de-risk a portfolio? Well, the first thing is you definitely got to be in a situation where you think differently and you're not all in the market, okay? And that means stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera. You're in a place where not all of your money is in the market. A lot of firms out there are, are in a place, and we see this for families, Randy, that'll come in, they want a second opinion on their wealth, or we'll have a conversation depending on where they are in the country, over the phone, or you know, over the computer, go to meeting, et cetera. And we'll have the conversation about how all of their portfolio, for the most part, is in the market. Stocks, bonds, et cetera. And the, and the typical rule of thumb is move to more bonds and less stocks when you want to, when, when you want to de-risk. The problem with that is, as you pointed out, interest rates are at all-time lows. They're probably going to go up. And as interest rates go up, par values on bonds will go down. So what can you do? Well, there's other structures out there. You know, we've done a lot of research around the Harvard and Yale endowment models back in 2007, 08. And there's a lot of hard asset structures out there that exist where you're buying into direct real estate, maybe things like multifamily properties or uh, data centers, you know, everything is being saved today in our culture today on the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. So those servers have to be somewhere. That's a great place to have facilities where you own a facility and are leasing out for these data centers uh, is one. There's several other hard asset type structures that we can do that will continue to pay us uh, nice distributions or dividend type payments, if you will, over time and yet have appreciation. And yet it's also off market. Another thing is insurance companies have, you know, I call them zero hedged type products the big A word, annuities, which some people say, oh, they're horrible. Or some people say, oh, they're great. And, you know, it's like anything else. You got to dive in and, and deep dive the good and bad. We've seen some of those contracts and, and products for families over the years make some really nice returns and then lock in their gains. In fact, there's a really interesting study uh, by Professor Babel from the Wharton School of Business that, was, that came out December of 2010, and I believe it's still relevant, talking specifically about those contracts, those products, and how they actually beat the return of the S&P 500 over a five-year rolling period since 19, from 1997 to 2010. Uh, Roger Ibbotson is a Yale professor that has an article out there talking about how a properly structured annuity, there are some out there, again, that are bad, that are not good, that are paying too heavy and high in commissions and that don't, don't have value for the consumer, just like anything, there's bad and good of everything, but there are some that are really, really good that have done well, might be a solution. And he wrote an article, Roger Ibbotson wrote an article talking about how they've actually outperformed bonds as far as actual return over over a period of time. And so that's an interesting article as well that's available. All of these things are ideas that are different than the typical Wall Street thought. And there's others out there as well. But the first thing, Randy, I think, and foremost, is primarily the idea of embracing the thought that, okay, there's got to be something different than just on market. Last thing I want to say, there's a couple that came in two weeks ago to us and uh, at our firm, Wall Private Wealth, and they wanted a second opinion. They were in a place where they had a decent-sized portfolio. wasn't massive, wasn't small, but it was a decent size. And they were with a larger firm, and they were just scared of the market. And one of the things that they had said repetitively is, you know, what else can we do? And the answer was, well, we can just go more to bonds. And at the end of the day, that wasn't what they were looking for. They wanted actual safety, not just to be more conservative, 
but they wanted safety from the markets. So thinking differently and coming off market is crucial, Randy. Well, I just think that it is very interesting when someone like Warren Buffett says, we're going to look back on this period of time and we're going to say, why didn't we see the signs? So I think it's really important for all of us to have as much education, as much insight into what those signs are. And then in turn, what do we do to adjust our, our path because of the signs. Do you think about going down a road, a windy mountain road where the sign says dangerous curves ahead? Maybe Warren Buffett is saying to us right now, we're seeing the dangerous curves ahead sign. What are we going to do? Are we going to slow down or what are we going to do to adjust to it? Well, that's important. You got to adjust like anything else in life. To be successful, you have to be willing to adjust. Uh, People know that that are business owners, and uh, sometimes they don't take that approach in their portfolio because they're trusting someone else. And unfortunately, the adjustment that that person or firm makes is primarily all in the market. So it's important to educate yourself. And on that note, we got to close this show down. But if you want more information and education on how can you adjust, how can you think differently, how can you start to kind of de-risk what you're doing, go to leanonthewall.com. That's our site, leanonthewall.com. There's a lot of information on there. There's a lot of videos that are shared uh, to help you and educate you in the process. If you have a specific question about your story, as you're there on leanonthewall.com, you can go ahead and reach out to us. There's a little place as you scroll down, just says contact our firm or reach out to us, et cetera. And you can and just put in, send us a little email. Hey, I got a question about my story. Uh, you know, I'd like to get a second set of eyes, second opinion on what I'm doing, et cetera. And, and we can certainly go through that process of having a conversation to get you the information that you need so you can continue to invest well. Remember, it's your money. You've worked hard for it. You want to be a good steward of it. It's all about living on purpose so you can live with purpose. And that only happens if you invest well and live well in life. So thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next show. Make sure you share this with someone that needs to hear it. They might be a deer in the headlights in relation to investments, and they need to be a little bit of a awoken, if you will, so they don't lose 20, 30, 40% of their portfolio if we have another major crash in the market. Share this with someone you know that needs to hear this to help them protect everything that they've worked hard for as well. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next show. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of Wall Private Wealth, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Michael Wall is licensed in your state, please call 888-511-9255. Wall Private Wealth is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Michael Wall. NPN Insurance License Number 7330010.